0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast, sponsored by Direction. It's Wednesday, May 5th, 2021. It's Cinco de Mayo, and I'm Justin Nielsen, the head of market research here at IBD. And I'm joined by my co-host, Alyssa Coram, IBD's multimedia content editor. And today we have as our special guest, Chris Retzler. He's joining us and he's a managing director, executive vice president, and portfolio manager for Needham Asset Management. So on today's show, of course, we're going to be talking about the current market and also what's going on specifically in the small cap space. And we'll wrap this up with taking a look at a few ideas from Chris. But before we get to Chris, Alyssa, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's been going on with the current market?
1: That's right. So as we saw uh, on Tuesday's session, the Nasdaq took a very hard hit and the bleeding continued today with the Nasdaq reversing lower pulling closer to its 50 day line. We still have the distribution day count remaining at four on the NASDAQ, four on the S&P 500, Uh, relatively quiet session for the S&P and the Dow is hitting highs. So we're seeing this bifurcated market sort of rear its head just when we thought that uh, we were going to start just trading nice and quiet and sideways for a little bit. The NASDAQ getting hit pretty hard this week, Justin.
0: Yeah. And uh, small caps too, if we pull up the Russell 2000, um, this is something that, you know, was having such a phenomenal run, uh, you know, this, this past year off of the lows in, in March, and then especially heating up after the election, the presidential election in November. Chris, this is your wheelhouse right here. Uh, since you are a small cap fund, um, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing in the small caps right now, Is it anything that you're concerned about or is this just kind of the normal correction you would expect after such a a strong move?
2: Well, I think what we're witnessing is a lot of rotation within the small cap universe where growth names really outperformed last year uh, over the value names. And what we were beginning to witness at the end of last year was a greater appetite for recovery plays. Those industries like energy where people go back and there's more travel. Uh, So those oil prices were coming back that that lifted those names. Uh, What we also saw was an increased uh, risk and discussion around inflation. And that is what has caused the interest rate yield curve to steepen. And and that really benefited a lot of financial companies where uh, they can borrow cheap and lend and that's benefited uh, again the value side of, of the universe within the Russell. Um, you know, where we focus and spend a lot of our time is more within technology, healthcare, a little bit higher growth, but we we have a more of a GARP strategy. So we're not looking for the high multiple names, which also were severely impacted uh, more back in the February, early March timeframe of this year where interest rates spiked and accelerated uh, on that spike, thereby causing a depression in the valuation multiples for some of those really high multiple names. And that generally, uh, you know, was in a lot of the software names, uh, a lot of the work from home names, and they've been going through a a relative correction since that.
0: Right. Um, So for that growth at a reasonable price idea, um, when, when there is a little bit of this mean reversion, um, do, you, do you switch it all or you know, h- how do you kind of handle that?
2: Well, we try not to style drift. Uh, we know what we know and we like to stick with that. Um, it uh, hel- has helped us in the long run. And so what we will do is we will rotate out of some of our more concentrated names that have done well. Uh, We also do hold cash, and I know many folks don't like holding cash, but we very much view it as a strategic asset, Um, where small cap companies, as we say, trade by appointment many times. And so you need to have that cash available for when those shares come to market. And if you've done enough due diligence and enough work, and you know what you want to own, and when those opportunities arise, having cash is critical. Uh, we've been very good at that over the years, uh, deploying that capital strategically. Um, but beyond that, you know, we really do try to stick to to the areas we know best, um, and that's more in the growth area. And again, you know, looking out as a long-term investor, uh, we're pretty confident that, that that growth is out still out there.
1: Yeah, and I, I think there's definitely something to be said about sticking to what you know and really just... Uh wielding the power of of the sword that you have Uh, and i want to go back to your statement about this rotation out of these growth names and into these recovery plays how do you how much longer do you think that this is going to play out and then i guess you know taking a step back from a macro level what are some of the things that are impacting how this is going to play out
2: so it's always hard to tell when the top uh you know comes with a rotation but The reopening trade plays, you know, hospitality, travel, transportation, um, it's all wonderful. I mean, it's great because it's broadening out uh, the market. And we think that that's a very positive uh, occurrence for a longer term continuation of the bull market. Um, You know, we're coming out of a, a very deep and quick recession that we had last year. And typically, bull markets last uh, a lot longer uh, than just a couple quarters. So while we see this rotation, and it, it's not helping small cap tech at this uh, you know very month and last month, um, you know we don't though foresee a, 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 a stumble in the economy. Uh, we see a continuation. We've seen the the pull forward, uh, pull forward of the digitization of the economy which has put a lot of pressure on certain industries like semiconductors. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a major supply problem right now with semiconductors uh, for a variety of reasons that we could go into. Um, But quite frankly, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this where there's so much demand on the other side for finished goods um, that we don't have enough semiconductors. But it also tells you and shows you the digitization in where semiconductors are in almost every industry, whether it be transportation of electric vehicles, medical devices, industrial, defense, computers, laptops, communications, they're everywhere. Um, and we think that that trend continues um, and it's really some good long-term secular growth growth areas uh, that we think value, uh, they're coming into more value periods that we would be deploying capital.
0: So. To kind of get back to this idea of some of this digitization getting pulled forward i mean what immediately comes to my mind is like with netflix you know during the pandemic all the subscribers were kind of joining netflix and they were saying look we're meeting our subscriber numbers they're just getting pulled forward to an earlier quarter you know we we still have the same numbers they're just getting pulled earlier um how much of this do you think is kind of priced into the market some of this pulling forward and the expectations for these reopening plays as more of the population gets vaccinated. Um, so how much of that is getting priced in, pulled forward? How much does that leave you know, potentially, I guess, lackluster when it actually comes to pass?
2: So, so I think the growth rates for a, a lot of the companies and, uh, that worked very well last year I I don't think you have a repeat of of that growth rate, uh, which were quite accelerated and and concentrated. Um, You know, Netflix, everyone was home or working from somewhere other than their office, and they were utilizing a lot of these uh, services, you know, Zoom, um, you know, other sorts of communication tools that optimize their ability to be outside of the the work office. Uh, And Netflix certainly had a good run on that side of it. Um, But I don't think that people are going back to their historical ways of getting media delivered to them. I think that Netflix has now a land grab, let's say, and then you say, what is it that you do next? Do you continue to build great media content that you can put through that platform? Do you add other services? And that takes time. And so what we're seeing is now people are gonna be getting on airplanes and hopefully they're gonna be getting you know, on cruise ships and into hotels and, and other services. And I think that that's what we're seeing right now. But I, I don't think we're gonna see a, a backpedaling of some of these industries that did very well, like a Netflix. And again, that's why I'm saying it's broadening out. Um, there's just a lot of demand out there. Um, do people go back to movie theaters as much? I don't know, I mean, that's probably a big question because if I can absorb my content sitting at home or wherever, do I need to be there? Um, I can see teenagers and others who who feel the need to be in a movie theater. Um, You know, it's just a social uh, thing that they do. Um, But I I see that the economy has changed quite a bit. So again, I'm very bullish on the recovery um, and the broadening out I think is again, healthy for the equity markets.
1: And when it comes to the small cap space, talk to us a little bit about uh, more of the trends that you're seeing in that area, especially when it comes to the m and environment. How is that playing out in 2021?
2: So m is a always is a, a good thing for small cap companies as larger cap companies um, look to, to buy higher growth companies or to bolt on businesses. Um and right now, we haven't seen a lot of m and in the small cap universe, but we have seen some m and uh, in the middle kind of mid cap area. And, and that's very healthy. You know, CEOs do deals when they feel that over the horizon, the economy is still going to be good. And I think that that portends well for what we may see as a lot of these smaller cap companies get absorbed. Uh, you know, we call them terminal trades, um, and, you know, the capital then is redeployed. So we do think we will see a higher MA and a activity uh, throughout the remainder of the year. Uh, you know, one driving force that c- could cause this is the potential of higher capital gains tax rates, uh, you know, for founders and entrepreneurs who uh, would like to think that the tax rates, if they go into effect, that they go into effect in January of 2022, uh, they'd like to conclude and uh, you know, close their transactions bef- before the tax year end. Um, but that said, uh, you know, there's also a lot of cash out there. We we've seen a lot of money raised. Uh, corporations have a lot of very strong balance sheets with with cash on, um, and so they can do accretive deals. Um, you know, there's typically a, a lot of cost savings that can come out of uh, smaller cap companies that are burdened with. Uh, the costs of being public and the board and, and, a, and a lot of other expenses, it can really be stripped out. Um, and if those small cap company products or services are on a larger platform, uh, those larger companies generally can do a lot more in a shorter time frame than a small cap company could do on their own. Uh, so there's a lot of dynamics there. Um, you know, we think in our portfolio that we have a handful of names uh, that, you know, could be Great candidates for for acquisition.
0: Well, as part of that research that you do, um, is is there is there something in particular that you look for in uh, the technology or innovation that a company is doing that you think, hey, this is this is something that might be small right now, but is ripe for an acquisition, or is it just one of those things where you just pick good companies, and if they get acquired, so be it. Um, you know, luck, lucky you.
2: I I think that the M&A aspect of of how we invest is really a second or third part of our decision. Uh, You know, first and foremost, we spend a lot of time with management teams, and we think that that is the critical piece of our due diligence, getting to know management, uh, observing their board, um, you know, what's their history, how they performed in the past, have they done... uh, you know, what have they done with other transactions and, and businesses in the past? Um, the second piece that we also look for is, is what's the, the strength of their, their moat, their technological moat, for example, or the, the moat of their service? Is it something that's uh, repeatable by a competitor? And, and what's the cost to do that? And, and you know, how defendable is it? Um, you know in technology companies, there's always a lot of lawsuits defending patents. And, and that's actually defending your moat. And so while costly, um, typically when you win in those cases, it provides you a nice runway. Um, but I would say management and, and strength of uh, what is the, the product or service that they're providing are really the forefront of, of where we go and spend uh, our time and then make investments. Now, if M&A occurs, uh, that's a wonderful outcome. Um, You know, sometimes it occurs faster than we would want uh, just from a, uh, you know, runway that we thought that they could go a lot further or from a tax basis. Um, But we have to move on. There's a lot of companies out there. That's a great part of small cap investing. There's so many of them. Um, And it's what we love to do. I mean, we get up every day and meet companies and meet managements and really try to dig in and say, you know, are you selling picks to the miners? and and that's an area that we really like. It's a strategy that we have uh, applied for a a lot of years and you can apply it in a lot of different industries.
1: Well, Chris, I know we're just scratching the surface with you. We have a lot more we wanna cover and we'll get to that right on the other side of this break. So we'll be right back.
0: The Direction Hydrogen ETF offers exposure to the top 30 pure play hydrogen economy companies by largest market capitalization leading the way towards net-zero emissions by providing more accessible, efficient, sustainable solutions across five hydrogen-related sub-themes. With clean hydrogen-based energy expected to grow five times in the next 30 years, companies building hydrogen-related businesses to generate power, heating, transportation, and more will likely thrive.
1: Welcome back to investing with IBD sponsored by Direction. It's Ali Coram here with my co-host Justin Nielsen and our guest, Chris Retzler. So Chris, where we left off in the last segment, you were talking about how that relationship with management teams is something that is very key to doing your research. So how can retail traders uh, implement that sort of mindset when they are researching companies?
2: I think the first place uh, investors can begin is, is really with the quarterly calls that all investors have access to. Um, I'd also say that, you know, investor relations in general, if, if you were to send in an email or, or, or call them, uh, they're generally pretty responsive. Um, you know, certainly the smaller cap companies probably don't have uh, as much inquiry. So for an investor... Uh, That's what they're there to do and to support their shareholders, whether they're big or small. So um, but the consistency of of quarterly calls, uh, you you do want to remain consistent where you listen each quarter to say what has changed somewhat like investors do with uh, the Fed. You know, each time they come out and said, you know, what sentence change, what business, uh, you know, were they talking about? and Now they're not talking about you also get the benefit on these quarterly calls of a lot of sell side uh, research analysts who, who answer, ask the questions that, that they've been hanging around the hoop long enough to know that those are the questions that are probably uh, the incremental information that that investors want. So you can leverage off of them as well.
0: So you kind of mentioned a little bit about the Fed and certainly a lot of people have been focused on rates, um, inflation uh, just this week. Uh, Janet Yellen had some comments on uh, what, what she was seeing in terms of inflation and the potential for raised rates uh, she kind of walked back some of those statements but it certainly rattled markets a little bit um, you know in, in that macro perspective I guess um, what what are you seeing there with the Fed inflation and the economy writ large?
2: So we are seeing inflation uh, that is true out there we're seeing, Uh, You know, commodity inflation, we're seeing inflation within the supply chains of technology for products, Uh, there's supply constraints, and the question is, is, are they going to raise prices? Uh, You know, but there is inflation, Uh, oil prices are up. But when you compare this year over last year, when we were really at the depths of the pandemic, uh, and, and just beginning to come out here in May, um, you, you would expect that year over year inflationary numbers to, to spike. Uh, that's just the way the numbers are calculated. I, I think what investors need to evaluate is how long does this persist? And I am a firm believer that the market has many ways to correct itself naturally. Um, you know, Do you bring on more supply? How long does it take to bring on that supply? Uh, are there other things that can be done Uh, You know, it's been mentioned that you drop tariffs on Canadian lumber. Does that bring down the price of lumber for the the real estate market that right now is is facing higher input costs to build a house? Um, Or do people decide not to build the house because it's just too costly? So it naturally corrects. The automotive industry, for example, with semis have pulled back on a lot of the car lines and truck lines that they just aren't going to build right now. And so that in itself somewhat corrects the semiconductor shortage because what they're doing is going after the higher margin business or those products that they know they can finish, they have enough supply, and it's a temporal issue. So then what happens then? Used cars come onto the market. Avis and Hertz start selling their fleets because people aren't renting cars. Those are used cars. They go into a CarMax and other uh, used car industries. And it just filters through, and the market has some self-correcting factors. Uh, that's great. I mean, and that's what investing's about. You follow those trends. You follow, uh, you know, the process of what makes common sense. Quite frankly, I mean, that's you, you can do all this fancy modeling and work. Sometimes investing's just really about common sense, um, and, and so that's what we're looking at on that front. But you know an area that we we have a lot of investment and we, we have high hopes for is the semiconductor area.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more because it really sounds like there's a huge domino effect that's happening right now that is very far-reaching and, and probably more far-reaching than the average uh, retail investor may realize.
2: Yeah, so semiconductors are, as we mentioned, uh, are, are pretty much in almost every device at this point in time. They, they, the digitization has expanded their usage. Um, but there's some other factors going on. One is the capacity at the foundries is, is limited at this point in time. But there's also geopolitical reasons and, and national security reasons that you're hearing out of the White House talking about providing some funding for the semiconductor uh, industry to bring home that manufacturing. Uh, Years ago, we used to do 35 to 40% of the world's output, and and now we're not even close to that. And so there's been discussions with companies like Intel, uh, Taiwan, Semi, uh, Samsung, to expand and build out factories here uh, within the United States again. Uh, I personally think it's fantastic. I think it's going to bring home and create a lot of very high-paying jobs. It also creates an atmosphere or an environment, where there's a lot of other industry businesses that are gonna have to supply uh, those factories. You can almost think about it like an aircraft carrier, where the aircraft carrier has all of the planes, but there's all these service boats and other suppliers surrounding it and providing the support. And that's what would happen with these foundries. Uh, Foundries consume a lot of gases, clean gases, um, other materials that go into it. Um, you know, there's, there's other services, uh, ventilation. I mean, just, it goes on and on, the amount of industry that goes into a factory, which is why they cost $10 billion to build one. Um, the problem is they take about three to four years to build. And so there's no real quick fix to the semiconductor supply situation that's out there. And that's why I think it's gonna be more market forces that correct here in the near term, the supply and demand mismatch. But going forward, bringing that home, I think is going to be great for the the United States. It's gonna be great for a lot of high paying jobs. And I think it'll also help on a national security basis where our defense industry needs a lot of these chips. Um, So there's a lot of reasons and I'm very bullish on that front. Um, Semi-cap equipment manufacturers also should benefit because when you build these foundries, you have to supply these very expensive uh, machinery. And it takes mm-hmm. some time as well um, for them to ramp for the amount of capacity that we think is gonna come in. Um, but you know, companies like Applied Materials, LAM Research, they should all benefit long-term. Uh, historically, they've been more cyclical, but what we've seen over the last say, five or six years, and I think going forward, is they're going to behave more like true industrial companies, but higher growth industrial companies. Um, so there's going to be less cyclicality um, as this gets deployed. And, and I think that that's a real benefit to a lot of U.S. companies.
0: So there has been a lot of strength in the semiconductor industry, but it yeah. seems like it's, um, it's it's taking a little break right now. With all these positive things, is that, again, just is that just a temporary... Uh, resetting uh, after after moving up so much? Or um, is, is some of these things just need to be figured out a little bit um, because there's so many years out for some of this stuff to happen? Or what, what's your feeling on what's going on with the semiconductors right now with their current correction?
2: Yeah. So y- 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 you actually touch right upon where the semiconductor industry went over the last 20 years, is they went to more fabless so right. many semiconductor companies we talk about don't actually manufacture, they, they outsource it to a Taiwan Semi right. or a Samsung or an Intel. And so the constraints are at the foundries of those companies right now. Um, they are not going to become, you know, the, the fabless companies are not going to start creating their own factories but what we need is more capacity on those lines. And so you have cutting edge front, front edge uh, chips where an Apple would be looking for very small nanometer to go into phones, you know, small compact power consumption optimization. But then there's other older lines which really go into the industrial medical automotive. And that's where there's been a bit of a jam because you're not gonna run your very expensive, you know, cutting edge lines for these older chip designs. And so that's what needs to clear out of the market. But what we're seeing though, is other companies that are suppliers to those lines are having actually pricing power that they've never seen in the past. And and that's, you know, where we've been investing and finding some names uh, that we think are gonna benefit here Uh, as this supply um, constraint kind of gets cleared. But I I think it's going to take, you know, a quarter or two, and we heard from GM today, uh, that they think it's maybe in the third quarter. um, I think it's going to be a couple more quarters than that for, for the overall market to clear probably somewhere into 2022.
0: Well, you mentioned some of the names that you're looking at. Um, When we come back, we'll take a look at some of the names that are on your radar and how you go about getting into them when they are the smaller companies. Uh, We'll be back right after the break. The Direction Hydrogen ETF offers exposure to the top 30 pure play hydrogen economy companies by largest market capitalization, leading the way towards net zero emissions by providing more accessible, efficient, sustainable solutions across five hydrogen-related sub-themes. With clean hydrogen-based energy expected to grow five times in the next 30 years, companies building hydrogen-related businesses to generate power, heating, transportation, and more will likely thrive. Welcome back to Investing with IBD, sponsored by Direction. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with my co-host, Ali Quorum, and we've got our special guest, Chris Retzler. And after after the talk that we've had about semiconductors and a lot of the stocks that you're looking at, it probably makes sense for us to take a look at your uh, fund growth that you've had um, over, you know, the, the the past few years here. Really remarkable as the small caps have uh, really come on strong lately, and so this is the Needham. Uh, small cap growth retail NESGX is the ticker symbol on this um, and we're showing the Market Smith chart monthly in, in this case. Do you want to talk a little bit about what's been going on in the last few years?
2: Well, the last few years have certainly been good for small caps. Um, you know we've taken an approach as I mentioned earlier where we utilize cash in a strategic way. Uh, so we've had a little bit more flexibility. Um, where we try to concentrate our best ideas in in our top holdings, which, you know, our top 10 at times can be close to 50% of the fund. Um, But we're also willing to take some of our uh, profits off the table where we're flexible. It's been a a tough area for small caps to, uh, you know, have really extended growth. Uh, for a long time. And I think that for even a long term investor, there's nothing wrong with with taking some profits at times. Um, But to the extent that we do as much due diligence on our companies, um, we also then redeploy that capital at times when uh, you hit a rough patch or a a tough two quarters where you know management, and they're just going through some growing pains. Um, Not always does the market have patience. Uh, You know, what we look for are investors who probably have at least a year long investment horizon, because you do need to have patience in in some of these and and things don't always just occur, uh, you know, every quarter. So, um, you know, that's where we we've been doing very well. We've been growing assets um, and, uh, you know, we continue to stick to what we know best. We, We really don't try to have any style drift.
1: Well, let's take a look underneath the hood here, Chris, and uh, chat about some of the individual uh, holdings here. So P-Lab, Photronics, talk to us about what stands out to you about this company, uh, which definitely fits that semiconductor theme.
2: So Photronics is a critical supplier into the semiconductor industry where it makes products called photomasks. And so for every new chip design, you need a photomask. And right now, for the first time they've seen in in decades that they have some pricing power because the amount of demand for photo masks is just beyond what there is for for supply. Um, They just finished a lot of investment in building out some of their factories, so they've turned the corner to be a cash generator from a cash uh, deployer or investor. And we think that they're now on a pretty good runway for, uh, I think, the next couple years, where they're going to benefit from this uh, recovery. And they stand really at the crossroads of semiconductors, and we think they're going to be beneficial, benefiting from it. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, let's go ahead and turn our attention to uh, just briefly Intivac and the symbol on that is IVAC. And uh, tell us a little bit about what what attracted you to this and what you're seeing out there now that maybe is uh, I- interesting about it? So there's two parts
2: to intovac. First is the historical business, which is supplying the hard disk drive industry, which we think is going to begin to deploy capital uh, later this year. Uh, but the real highlight that they've been working on is an image sensor, uh, which ultimately uh, we think will be incorporated into the very large army contract that Microsoft just announced they received in the last quarter. Uh, we think that as that ramps that they could produce, uh, Intevac will provide um, you know, night vision equipment into that contract. So again, we're trying to sell picks to miners. Right. And this is an example of that. They just had their earnings call yesterday. So I will note that they just said that they hired an investment bank uh, to explore strategic alternatives. Uh, so I think you need to be patient and see what comes out of that.
0: Right. And speaking of which, uh, this is a pretty thin company. So uh-huh. how is it that you as a fund, um, you know, can can build a position in something where, uh, you know, it's it's a $6 stock and, you know, doesn't trade very many uh, shares a day?
2: So again, this this is a perfect example of where you need to have some cash to be able to be there when stock comes to market. Um, you know, stock comes to market for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, did an analyst leave another competitor fund, and so they're just liquidating the position? Uh, is there an equity offering? You need to have cash available. So over a period of time, we've been accumulating uh, our investment here, and this is a long-term investment. Um, this is not something that I would suggest if you're a day trader that to to. To be involved with, um, it needs patience, and we think now that uh, you know the news that they've been able to provide uh, at the last earnings call and the hiring of uh, an investment bank, uh, we think that there's uh, some real upside here in 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 the next year year and a half.
1: Well, let's uh, shift gears here a little bit and talk about Aspen, ticker ASPN, uh, in the chemicals sector, which we've been paying close attention to over the last couple of months. And they specifically deal with battery technology. So can you tell us a little bit more about the story with this company?
2: Yep. So there's two parts to Aspen Gels. One, again, is the historical business of providing insulation to the chemicals industry and energy industry. Uh, It's a very high performance insulation. It's not what you would uh, think of putting in your house. It's very thin, it's very lightweight, and it's it's also not impacted if it gets wet. Um, But the other business that they've been developing, which I really think is the high growth part of the business, is their thermal runway technology that can be used in electric cars, in electric batteries, so the technology helps electric cars, um, you know, maintain and control heat that comes out of the batteries, and also in containing that heat, it helps to extend the life of a battery, which in a car means more miles driven on a full tank of a battery. So, if you have a car at this time going 300 miles on a full charge. Aspen would be looking to help expand that mileage. Um, And we think that they're working with uh, many great battery companies out there. And we think that uh, this technology is going to expand over the next couple of years. Uh, They are looking to um, build out their uh, capacity over the next year or so. And we think that it's really great upside that they're looking at going forward.
0: So a number of these companies that you just brought up, uh, they, they don't really have earnings growth right now or sales growth. Um, how important are the fundamentals to you? How important are those, um, those growth numbers? Or is it something where you're looking at the story and the future and kind of projecting out what could be? So Aspen Gels actually went
2: through a patent suit, as we mm-hmm. were talking earlier with, uh, you know, the technological moat, and they were able to defend themselves on a global basis that they're going to be a a product of record, we call it. And so then once developed, uh, that's the technology that needs to go into the ultimate product. So um, you have to look out further than maybe just a year for this growth. Um, But to remake what it is that they have today, uh, we think that there's a lot of value here. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. And let's go ahead and wrap up the discussion uh, with a look at 2-6. The symbol on that is IIVI, uh, referring to the periodic table of, of elements. <laughs> so uh, you know, break out your chemistry book. Um, what is it that you like about uh, this company and this uh, latest acquisition that they've made?
2: So IIVI has been a holding that uh, we've known a long time, uh, management team that uh, we have uh, a tremendous amount of faith in their ability to execute and again, this is where the knowledge of management uh, is so important. So, they have just recently won in a competitive MA purchasing uh, competitive bidding um, that they were able to win the, the purchase of Coherent. And we think that the management team, you know, has execution risk of integration, but we think that they are the most capable uh, team that can do this. They've done it before. Uh, it also transforms the company where we think that there'll be some sub- substantial multiple expansion as they move from more of a mid cap to a large cap company. Uh, they've been expanding their businesses uh, beyond just their materials, that they, the specialty materials that they've always been known for within the laser industries. Uh, they've been now moving into over the last five or six years, uh, the optical space, and now adding in coherent, um, you know, it only helps to overlay and expand further uh, their depth in, in the businesses that they're, they've already, they're already in. Um, you know, so this is, you know, one of the three, in my opinion, big MA transactions we've already seen this year. And again, a CEO who can see over the horizon probably better than investors is telling us that, they have a pretty good positive bullish outlook on what they see. Um, So stay tuned. I think uh, as the deal closes later this year and the integration process uh, occurs, uh, we think that uh, IIVI is gonna be very well rewarded for their investment here in Coherent.
1: Well, Chris, I think a great way to wrap up might be to just uh, touch on once again, you talking about the importance of not having that style drift and really sticking to what you know and what you do best and how that pays off in the long run.
2: Yeah, look, I, I think investors need to have patience in what they're doing. And we're, we're in an environment where a lot of people like to day trade or buy Bitcoin and it goes up 20, 30 percent. Um but I think for equity investors, and certainly in the small cap industry, uh, you, you need to have uh, a strategy. And I think you, you stay in the lane, what you know best. Uh, it helps you know when to buy, and, and probably more importantly, you know when to sell. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know we've become more flexible, uh, where we we're willing to take some some profits off the table uh, when necessary. Um, In my opinion, it it helps to reduce the risk Um, and and in an environment where liquidity is moving around and volatility has been increased, um, you know, investors really prefer more consistency. And so that's what we try to provide as best we can. But don't lose don't lose faith. I I, I think the the U.S. economy, I think the global economy uh, is going to recover. It's going to be big. Um, and I, I just wouldn't be short the, I wouldn't be short
0: the, the U S at this point in time.
1: And Justin, I would love to get your thoughts on this subject too, while we're at it.
0: Uh, just the, the broad economy or, uh, <laughs> what <specifically>? <laughs> 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 well, I, I mean, I, I think what, what, oh, what this- he's talking about, I mean, the, the, the idea of you know you have to have that strategy and you have to stick with it I mean that's that's the whole benefit of having rules because what's very easy to do is kind of look you know grass is greener over on the other side on um, and you start shifting too much and you know oh I'm gonna I'm gonna go in this lane because that lane looks faster but then you know this happens all the time on the 405 freeway right you you change lanes and then you're, you're slowing down so I think a lot of what Chris is doing here that that moving, uh, you know, being willing to sell some of your profits, uh, kind of take advantage of that mean reversion, um, sell your profits, sell into strength, and then, you know, be patient with some of these. It's, it's very different what, you know, from what our typical style is. Cause Chris, you're, you're really comfortable with dollar cost averaging. It's part of your, it's part of your business. Um, you know, yeah, but I
2: think one other thing
0: that, that is different in the last 10, 10 years is
2: to take advantage of passive investing. Mm -hmm. where passive investing has a bucket of stocks. And if you've done your diligence on some that are within that bucket, and if they sell off uh, in a way that's not justifiable, but it's just being done because of its inclusion in a passive index, active managers can take advantage of that. And and, and again, that's part of the flexibility you, you need.
0: Wow, you just opened up a whole nother can of worms here, Chris, where we could get into the whole active management versus passive management and how ETFs have changed the, the landscape there. But we'll have to have you, on you back. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: Thank you. And coming up next week, Arusha Pierce, the former host of this show, is now going to be in the hot seat, Justin. Can't wait to ask him all the questions. We're excited for his return to the podcast. Arusha, he's portfolio manager at Anil Global Advisors. So don't miss it next week. That's it for this show, and we'll see you next time.
0: And for this week's notes and charts, make sure to go to investors.com podcast where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section and make sure to subscribe rate and review our podcast if you haven't already, we'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investing at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode.